0: In this market, it's harder to grow and when you do, there are more operational distractions slowing your momentum by building and maintaining a global payments and billing system or reconciling revenue data. Paddle and ProfitWell are coming together to take the load off your finance and engineering teams. We make subscription billing, payments, tax and growth products that do it for you. In turn, you focus on what really matters, your team, customers and products. Find out more at Paddle.com.
1: A couple of years ago, everyone used to talk a lot about unicorns, etc. And I said, you know, companies like us, no one wants to write about us in the media because we don't have VC investors. We are not blowing up a lot of capital. We're not continuously doing funding rounds. I said, we need a name to describe our type of companies. So that's how I came up with Proficon. So basically profitable, private, bootstrapped, and reasonably valued. Uh, then I, I looked around, and you know there are quite a few proficons around. I mean, Mailchimp uh, was probably one of the largest uh, proficons. They never raised external capital, sold to Intuit for over ten billion dollars. And there are lots of entrepreneurs. I think we deserve a separate category.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaS Talk, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma and that I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to uh, the SaaS Revolution Show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be joined uh, today by Rajesh Jain, who is the founder of Netcore Cloud. Uh, welcome, Rajesh.
1: Thank you very much, Alex. Great to be on your show.
0: Yeah, great to have you on the on the podcast. Um, when uh, I, I think it was your colleague sort of reached out, but um, you, you know, I'd seen a, a little bit of content from uh, you sort of prior to that, so it was a, a timely uh, reach out. Uh, and when I uh, you, you know, heard and, and read the content that you know, you'd been bootstrapping uh, what is a, a profit corn to 100 million uh, ARR, um, I thought, okay, we've got to get you on and really kind of uh, figure out how, how you've done this. Um, uh, so very excited uh, uh, to, to get into this. So I, I, I guess to start, before we get into the meat of it, Rajesh, uh, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and you know, to the audience. You know, who is uh, Rajesh Jain?
1: So um, I'm a serial tech entrepreneur. Um, I started in the Web1 world. I'm based in Mumbai, but I started uh, in the Web1 world. I set up India's first internet portals in uh, 95. So that was just around the time Yahoo and eBay launched. Uh, It was a set of portals for Indians globally. And uh, I sold that company in late 1999 for $100 million. And that was also uh, bootstrapped Uh, We had no investors, so it was uh, another Proficon, the first Proficon of my life. Uh, Netcore is the second one. And uh, uh, yeah, so after that, uh, there's been Netcore. Uh, In between, I spent about uh, seven or eight odd years uh, working on the periphery of Indian politics uh, as what I call a prosperity entrepreneur. Uh, So a bunch of diverse experiences. uh, We can talk about uh, them as we go forward
0: very cool uh, uh thanks for sharing that and um so netcore clouds is the the second well profit corn, second uh sort of business well and, and this one the first one sold for 100 million this one is at 100 million sort of plus in in revenue so if you ever exited, it would be uh, likely sold for a a, a lot more than a, a hundred um tell us about so after that brief stint in uh, the periphery of politics um, why you decided to leave politics, I guess, and found Netcore Cloud and do this all over again.
1: Okay, so my my uh, Netcore was started 25 years ago in 97. My political stint came between 2000 and uh, uh, roughly 11 to 2018. Uh, so it was sort of in between uh, the Netcore journey. And uh, I, I decided to quit the political part I was working on the periphery, so I was not on the mainstream stuff, but uh, my objective was how can we transform India? And I realized that it's going to take a lot more than just uh, making a few videos and writing a f- bunch of articles um, with some interesting ideas uh, to do that. But I said, maybe that's a journey I can continue later in life. Uh, and Netcore was growing quite rapidly. And uh, um, I said that let's get back into Netcore. Let's get back into the tech world. Uh, and... Uh, uh, see how I can help uh, in NetCore's journey uh, going forward. So, uh, sort of seven, eight years in the beginning, uh, and I professionalized the NetCore uh, management. I brought in the CEO, and that's sort of when I s- spent a little bit of extra time on the political side, uh, and then back to NetCore in two
0: thousand and nineteen. Gotcha. And then in terms, in terms of, and thanks for clarifying that. The like founding NetCore. Um, you know, how? what's the story there? Um, you know, how did you go about founding Net- Netcore?
1: So in a way, if I look at uh, Netcore, we've had uh, sort of two broad lives. Uh, the first uh, 10 odd years are when I was running the business and we really didn't grow. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'd started Netcore just before I sold uh, my previous company, the Portals India World. Uh, we were doing Linux-based mail servers for enterprises uh, in India and uh, while we were about at two hundred thousand dollars we didn't grow much we stayed that way for almost uh, probably seven eight or nine years we tried a lot of things so every year i would come up with new ideas Uh, we built india we built the world's first block search engine and rss imap aggregator thin clients thick servers but uh, my problem was i could not commercialize any of those uh, ideas and uh, uh, so that was the sort of first 10-year journey of netcore and then i i professionalized the management I, I brought in a coo and then a ceo and that really began netcore's growth starting 2007 uh, we started with uh, uh, enterprise sms services uh, a bit like what cinch uh, uh, and twilio do today um, and uh, then we started with emailing for uh, enterprises so email marketing uh, email platform for enterprises we started that in about 2008 9 so that was like what SendGrid uh, offers uh, or came up with. Um, so so that, those were the early products. So that's why NetCore had the first part where it was the Linux servers. And then we really started on our customer engagement, customer experience journey after that.
0: And so in terms of what, Net, what NetCore Cloud is today, it's a customer experience platform. Um, and 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 how would you describe in terms of if you're a SaaS company that's listening, or like who's it for? Who's the ICP? You know, tell us a little bit more about that.
1: So our ideal customer is uh, any B two C company, a, a mid to large sized B two C company. We don't do much for uh, we're not very good with dealing with SMBs. So it's a it's a full stack platform. So if you think of it, uh, there's the communications layer at the bottom. So it's omni channel. So we can do SMS, email, push notifications. Uh, whatsapp and all other push channels that uh, enterprises want and then we have a full marketing automation stack above that uh, so that's what uh, companies like braze and itribble uh, offer uh, in the u.s um, so we have essentially the uh, journey orchestration the automation part uh, the analytics uh, uh, the customer experience piece which we did through an acquisition so nudges inside of apps personalization on the website so full customer engagement and experience. So in in short, it's essentially a AI-powered omni-channel customer communications and engagement. So a bit of CPaaS and uh, um, a lot of MarTech uh, comes into play. And then of course, we did a recent acquisition uh, of uh, Unboxed, which expanded us into the search space, search and recommendations, so on-site search. So all our customers are B2C companies mainly e-commerce companies, retailers, BFSI, banking finance companies, telecom companies, media companies, anyone with a very large customer base.
0: Gotcha. And, and these are, are global customers. Uh, where would you say the majority of the customers uh, sit?
1: So, a uh, majority of our com- customers, of course, still continue to be in India. Uh, we expanded into Southeast Asia about uh, f- uh, six years ago, and we've had very good success uh, in um, Southeast Asia and then Middle East and Africa, in the last uh, four years. And a uh, couple of years ago, we expan- started our expansion in US and uh, a year ago in Europe. Um, so that's been our journey from India to other emerging markets and then to the developed markets. Uh, so US uh, and Europe, uh, uh, we've primarily do the email and the uh, automation piece, we don't do SMS. Um, and uh, unboxed uh, the company which we acquired a few months ago they are very strong in US and the developed markets. Uh, so together, today, we have a good-sized business uh, in the US between Netcode and Unboxed.
0: So a good segue into like just giving us a little bit more visibility or insights into the, the data around the company or, or some metrics. So uh, we, we mentioned that it's north of 100 million, or you're doing north of 100 million. We know you're 25 years old uh, as a business. Uh, how many people employ, uh, do you employ... Um, we also know that you're bootstrapped you know what are what other metrics uh, could you share that could be of interest
1: so uh, we have about 100 million in uh, ARR right now uh, about 10 million comes from unboxed uh, the other 90 million is from netcore and netcore's revenues are split into two parts there is what we call the platform business so that's email automation etc that we do globally and there's a second part which is sms which we only do in india so SMS is low margin because bulk of the money gets paid out to the oper- telcos, the operators. The platform business is, of course, the high margin business. But all of this is good recurring revenue uh, that's there. We are about uh, a 900 people between Netcore and Unboxed. Um, uh, uh, of course, a lot of them are in India, but we do have now significant presence in outside of India in emerging markets, like I said, Southeast Asia, Middle East, US and Europe. And uh, I do believe that uh, the U.S. and Europe presence is going to grow significantly uh, as we go forward.
0: How, how many times? Uh, I j- just a thought coming to my head. But um, you know, how many times have you have you been approached by VCs that want to give you money? Uh, is, is, can you can you think of a, a number there?
1: So I'd say that in the last ten odd years, because uh, uh, maybe that's when we had a little bit of growth and scale, we probably have had about. Uh, six or seven conversations at different uh, points of time with VCs. Uh, We had also tried to do a PE fundraise uh, a few years ago. Uh, I think my problem is, uh, and I I joke with my colleagues, that uh, most conversations tend to be a little short because in the first meeting itself, I tend to tell them uh, my evaluation expectation. And uh, that then makes it very difficult. uh, in most cases because uh uh, uh it's uh, uh I, I i let them know what i want and then i tell them that look if uh, uh, if if it's okay uh, then we go forward we won't find anything wrong with my company um, and because we have been profitable there is no desperation to raise any capital so it's it's there it's uh the good learnings through the years in these conversations but yeah we have not raised capital
0: Uh, This term, sort of profit corn, is is this some? I mean, I've only heard it over the the, the last of uh, month or so. Is this something that you've coined?
1: Yes, Alex. Uh, So a couple of years ago, uh, used uh, everyone used to talk. Everyone talks a lot about unicorns, etc. And I said, you know, companies like us, no one wants to write about us in the media because we don't have VC investors. We are not blowing up a lot of capital. (laughs) We are not continuously doing funding rounds. I said we need a name to describe our type of companies. So that's how I came up with Proficon. So basically profitable, private, bootstrapped, and reasonably valued. Uh, and uh, uh, then I, I looked around, and you know there are quite a few Proficons around. I mean Mailchimp uh, was probably one of the largest uh, Proficons. They never raised external capital, sold to Intuit for over $10 billion. Uh, there are lots of entrepreneurs. I think we deserve a separate category.
0: A little bit earlier, so you mentioned that you were at two hundred thousand like ARR for some time, and then hired some professional management, um, you know, into into the business. So, uh, uh, can you just remind me how long it took you from founding the company to get to ten million ARR, uh, and then really, let's say, uh, three of the the kind of the big things that you did to really kind of help the com- move the dial and get Netcore to uh, to this milestone?
1: So, till about two thousand and five, six, we were still at about stuck at about two hundred thousand dollars. Uh, in uh, in revenue and then uh, one sort of the three things which helped us grow from that to about a 10 million scale uh, I think the first one was professionalizing the management replacing myself, uh, getting in a COO and a CEO uh, which really meant that the products that we were building, we were building interesting things but I couldn't commercialize them but the team which came in then essentially took them to market uh, the, the We stopped some of the B2C activities that we were doing, side activities uh, in Netcore at that time. We said we'll only focus on enterprises. So the second uh, sort of key decision was to focus on the communications layer. The internet was growing in India. Brands wanted the ability to reach out to their customers. So a focus on SMS and email helped us a lot because both essentially are inherently uh, profitable businesses. In a communications layer, you can actually build pretty good uh, businesses Uh, It's sort of less investment than say the upper layers of the stack. And then uh, 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 that was the second thing that we did. Third was that uh, we focused uh, on profitability uh, uh, as an explicit goal. Every year we would track our profitability. Uh, We didn't have external capital. So there was no other way for us to um, essentially keep uh, the business running besides uh, other than being profitable. And that sort of helped a lot because it brought in the culture of profitable growth. Uh, and then just around when we reached the 10 million mark, I think the other interesting decision which we made, which has helped us really in the next journey going forward uh, was uh, uh, we said we've got to look at something beyond communications, beyond email and SMS, because those the commodity spaces. Uh, so the next thing that we did was we started looking up the stack and that's where the MarTech uh, layer sort of started coming in. And the MarTech stack is when we started, we started building that out in 2014, uh, 15 timeframe.
0: And and then from, uh, so you've got the professional management uh, team or the leadership team in place. So from 10 million to 50 million, um, how uh, how did you ensure, or like what was your role to kind of, you know, help uh, ensure that they uh, kept performing and that they were the right people to get to 50 million? And did you have to replace anybody, you know, through the stages?
1: So the 10 to 50 million journey, uh, essentially was largely driven by our current CEO, Kalpit. Uh, because our first two CEOs uh, spent about four years and then sort of moved on. Uh, so 2007 till about 15, 14, 15, were the first two CEOs, four years a piece. Uh, our current CEO, he's been Netcore's employee number one. <laughs> So he's been with Netcore from day one. He knows all aspects of the business. Started as a a very shy developer. Uh, And then I threw him into sales and uh, all sorts of different things. And he's learned uh, on the job, as it were, through the years. And the journey under Kalpit, the sort of 10 to 50 million, was, I think, driven by two two things. Uh, We had the full stack. Sort of, we started building out the full stack. The email and the martech layers were there. And the second thing which helped us uh, was the fact that uh, we expanded to other emerging markets. Uh, So we got uh, teams in Southeast Asia, Middle East uh, uh, and Africa near markets. So markets with a lot of similarity to India. uh, uh, And uh, that helped a lot because uh, that showed us that the products that we had built for Indian customers, we could actually sell to customers outside of India uh, and we had sales teams there. We had the back-end uh, engineering support, etc., from India, and uh, uh, we, we realized that that's a model that can work, uh, and that sort of helped us get to the get to the fifty million mark because we expanded our TAM uh, by going into these markets.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And uh, and bootstrap companies I mean, they move like uh, at a slower velocity than venture back companies. Um, uh, and and actually, right now, you, you know, the times we're in at the at the moment, it's a it's a very good thing. It's all about uh, sustainable revenue growth, right, and not growth at all costs and hyper growth. And that uh, uh, that has changed somewhat. You know, I think after about twelve years of uh, the the kind of the growth of all, all costs sort of mantra, uh, what was what was considered the uh, the appropriate velocity for uh, for Netcore? Um, You know, what was what were your like targets going kind of year on year? We want to hit you know, 30%, 40% year-on-year growth. What was it, uh, and what was kind of implemented to ensure that it was met?
1: Uh, as we were growing, uh, our basic idea was that, look, if, if we can grow about 20%, 25% year-on-year, year, uh, that would be a good number to look at. And I think uh, in most years, le- until recently, we've, we, we used to do about 25% odd percent in the last four, five years, the platform business, we said, you know, 25 is too low. We need to look at much faster growth. And we've been, uh, we accelerated the growth of the platform, the email and the marketing automation business. And that's last five year CAGR is uh, uh, 35%. So off. So every year we basically increase the the growth rate. So getting it up from 25, 30, 35 uh, in, the, in the last year, we, we grew the platform business over 40% uh, uh, and that's something which I hope we can sustain uh, going forward. Um, uh, especially now, as we move into developed markets, uh, uh, the the ability to uh, to ramp up is is, signif- is is there. And we now also have unboxed uh, along with NetCore, so we can do a lot of cross sell also going forward. Um, so these were internal targets because we are not pressurized by uh, external uh, um, sort of investors, uh, as it were. Uh, so, but we would, I would look at benchmarking ourselves against others. Uh, and I know uh, typically there's the growth rates expected are, are significantly higher, uh, but the problem becomes that uh, the burn, uh, the cost of customer acquisition also becomes very high. And the one thing which I had learned early on in my life when I tried to grow for go for higher growth in 2007-8 was that. Just as profits are addictive, uh, losses also become habitual. Um, and I was pretty clear that look, I I don't want to uh, start burning cash because after that it becomes very hard to you know st- cut the cut the costs, cut the uh, sort of uh, surplus, the fat that is there at some point of time, just in case you have a bad year. Uh, and as a lot of us did experience in the early uh, months after COVID. Uh, and in that period, Netcore, uh, we did not lay off a single person. Uh, um, and that's, I think, I, I wrote about it on my blog, saying that that's the difference between unicorns and proficons. Unicorns with investors fired people. Uh, we were hiring people.
0: Yeah, no, uh, and, and that's fantastic. And we're seeing, I mean, as I said, with the current economic climate, again, I think a lot of the venture-backed sort of companies, uh, I saw one, I won't necessarily name it today, but uh, I saw one that's uh, laying off 30% of their staff, uh, and likely it's a preemptive measure, right? Uh, thinking about, like, you know, uh, upcoming recessions that they need to kind of cut their burn, and, and therefore, you know, the, the, the team that they've hired for 12 months' time, uh, you, you know, that are already kind of in place, you, you, uh, unfortunately, are the ones that are going to be sacrificed. So, um, yeah, uh, it, 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 it is a shame, but, you know, if you can do it another way and, say, build a, the sustainable business in the model that you're doing... Then you know all uh, credits to you and other entrepreneurs doing the same. Um, What what is your take in terms of um, the current market and what's happening and the talk around sustainable revenue growth? Given that's the business that you've built, Um, what are your views and maybe advice for SaaS companies that are kind of questioning what should we do? You know, kind of in these times and um, yeah, what advice can you give?
1: I think there are two two trends which are there. Number one is that. Uh, actually, for SaaS companies, it's it's a much easier path to profitability than uh, to, for say B2C companies, where there's a significantly higher spend. I mean, a good SaaS company will typically be operating at 70 to 80% uh, gross margin. Um, so uh, uh, I think a lot of times companies just tend to go overboard in a mad rush for, for customer acquisition. So I think the question you had asked in the beginning, I think having a good idea of your ideal customer profile are not overdoing the marketing spends, uh, being cognizant of the fact that uh, you want to be able to ensure that you land and expand uh, customers, uh, and not just sort of you know your NRR, GRR, all those numbers need to be good. Uh, 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 and I think uh, uh, SaaS companies, I think have a uh, uh, if they if if if, if they just if the founders basically just decide that they want to focus on profitable growth, I think it's much easier for them to do it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that, uh, and again, this, we had identified this a few years ago is that, uh, there is a move towards full stack. That means, uh, end customers, especially mid market enterprise customers want fewer and fewer vendors. Uh, so that means, uh, acquisitions consolidation are, is, is going to happen in the space. It's already happening. Uh, it means that you've got to stitch together products. You have to give integrated offerings to to your customers, uh, natively integrated, not just selling two two separate packages uh, uh, together. So I think these are two critical things. I think the uh, sort of the bit of a slowdown, uh, and I don't think SaaS companies would be too affected. Uh, if you're in the right space, I don't think, uh, um, uh, uh, you're going to see a negative growth or anything. The growth rates may come down a little bit, but it's still an easier path to profitability. But I think what SaaS companies, many SaaS companies are going to face is the question they'll have to ask themselves is, can I keep running this business standalone, or do I need to merge with a with a either a peer or a larger player for survival? I think that's the key point, key question which a lot of SaaS founders are going to have to tackle.
0: No, definitely uh, good, good advice uh, there. Um, inter, inter, obviously, it's challenging time, but for you over your career, um, uh, specifically around sort of Netcore Cloud, what were some of the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome, you know, as founder uh, of the business? Uh,
1: and, all, and all, I think, founders, CEO sort of face these questions. It's, uh, I think what Jim Collins um, called it out very well, it's the tyranny of the or versus the genius of the and. um So a lot of times, essentially, we are given false binaries. So you can be profitable or you can grow. Uh, You can't sort of do both. And we've proven that otherwise. Uh, For us, it's been a lot about the and. So I've always uh, asked myself is that, rather than just being caught into this or that, can we somehow manage to do both in a a reasonable manner? For for example, uh, we are one of the few SaaS companies out of India. Uh, which has built a very strong domestic presence. So most uh, SaaS companies tend to just focus on the developed markets, uh, because that's where, of course, those markets are 10, 50 times bigger than say India and emerging markets. But I think it's it's helped us a lot because uh, uh, we have now got a very good customer base. India is growing, Southeast Asia is growing very rapidly. We've got large populations. Um, Internet uh, is very good out here in the last uh, many years. Um, And as incomes grow, I think spends are also growing. So the ability to have uh, customers close to us uh, sitting in India, where the engineers are, uh, we are able to get a lot of uh, feedback from them when we launch new products, uh, rather than being geographically distant. Uh, uh, Especially, I'm I'm speaking more from the point of an Indian SaaS company. Uh, So that has, I think, been very helpful. I think this idea about uh, point solutions versus... Uh, the full stack is another sort of point, which com- another thing which comes up, uh, this breadth versus depth. In India, what happened to us, Alex, was that because a single market was not very, uh, very deep, we had to necessarily go wide, and I think that helped us because that sort of forced us down the journey of building a full stack solution, uh, which has now come very helpful because uh, I think it's what I call Martech 2.0. So the first generation of Martech was just Aggregating point solutions, pick up so marketers were also experimenting. Now, when they have it, when they come up for the upgrade cycles, they're saying, "Hey, you know, do I really need twenty point solutions, or can I consolidate that down into maybe three or four solutions, or even one solution?" So that starts to make a difference. Uh, I think the other uh, point which I'll sort of bring in here is this short term versus long term mindset. Many times, uh, it's the it's the it's the focus on sort of the next funding round. Uh, if you're especially with uh, if you have investors um, it's about the next quarter or the next two quarters and again what I've tried to do is we've run this company we've run netcore as if we have been we are publicly listed so we have internal targets we compare them uh, uh, with uh, every quarter with what we had projected at the start of the year or the previous quarter but I also keep a long-term view in mind there is no desperation for any exit for anyone Uh, We are 25% owned by employees. So uh, there's a very large ESOP pool. So many employees are very vested in the growth of the company. Uh, And this uh, Jim Collins sort of uh, uh, line about uh, about, uh, an enduring great company is what I keep telling uh, my colleagues that uh, we have to build a company which is built to last. It's an institution in its own right. Uh, uh, We we would ideally not like to exit uh, because we've done all the hard work. We've grown it from zero to hundred million, uh, and I think if we play our cards right, I think uh, in the coming years, the next journey from hundred million to maybe three three hundred 500 million uh, can be done by us. We've done all the grunt work to a, billion.
0: Getting... To a billion. Think bigger, a billion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a billion, yes. Yeah. One extra zero. No.
0: no, exactly. I mean, where where you are, the the, the uh, with with hundred million ARR, you, you know, um, uh, fully bootstrapped. There's no no urgency, no re- reason to sell, right, uh, uh, sort of right now, and as you say, building that enduring company.
1: And, and in the space we are in, I keep telling my team, in, marketing is never going to go away. And all what we, what we need to do is keep looking at innovations. The, the, every brand needs to engage with its customers. Customers are becoming more and more digital. So what we now need to do is to look at innovations. I mean, for example, email, there's been hardly any change in the last 20 years, except text becoming HTML. And most of the original email players have all got acquired. Um, founders are gone. And they are all. a lot of them are being run by CPaaS companies. So voice and SMS companies. And I said, that's a great opportunity for us now to innovate. So what we call email 2.0. Now, how do you think of interactive mails, living emails, you know, two-way communications? So if we can keep thinking like this in every uh, area that we are working on, the market marketing is going to be core to uh, to every brand that we are we are working with so there's no danger of obsolescence in in what we are doing now it's up to us it's the innovations that we can come up with it's how we how we reach out to customers globally uh, uh, so that's really the challenges that we have it's not the the sort of survival challenge that many other saas companies may face going forward
0: no, definitely, and uh, like. Um, what is a little bit about the acquisition? So, at eighty five million ARR, you acquired Unboxed. Uh, that was doing or is doing ten million uh, ARR, um, and you guys paid one hundred million uh, uh, to acquire the business. Um, how involved were you in the M and A uh, process, and what learnings can you share uh, uh, about this acquisition?
1: I was quite involved, of course, but I let my uh, team, Kulpit, uh, the CEO, and his uh, colleagues uh, make the call because the one thing i've been very clear about is uh, slightly a slight detour but i think it's important for founders who sometimes may step back and bring in a ceo uh, it's essentially that there has to a company must have one leader just because i own 75% of the company does not make me that leader the leader is the ceo is kalpit and even if i have disagreements with him i should i only voice them privately i don't do it publicly um, so it's a one of our previous uh, CEOs had this phrase, disagree and commit, that uh, I may disagree, but I have to commit once the team decides. So Unboxed, in fact, was a great opportunity, which came our way. we've been looking for acquisitions for the last few years, uh, because primarily the reason, there are two reasons for acquisitions and Unboxed is our third acquisition in three years. The other two are much smaller. They were sort of tuck-in tech acquisitions to help us with the tech stack. And then once we integrated those, we said, you know, if we have to, we have to build scale in the U.S. market. It's going to be very hard for us to do it organically. So we are looking for a complementary product, uh, a company which was selling into similar customers that we were selling in, uh, in a space where there was no overlap. And Unboxed was sort of the perfect opportunity which came our way, where they had a on-site uh, search. So um, uh, like Amazon has fantastic search on its site. Uh, many other uh, retailers and e-commerce sites, their search is not that great. They typically use some open source or sort of inadequate search, and then they, it costs them money uh, because uh, uh, you know you, uh, the, con- the conversion rates fall if your results are not good. You may have the product in your catalog, but if it doesn't show up in the search results, no one's gonna buy it. Uh, and Unboxed had solved that problem very well. They had 150 plus uh, customers in the US and other developed markets. And uh, so I think it helped us in in three different ways. First one was, it sort of uh, gave us a gave us a good U- good sized US presence uh, with uh, B two C customers. So it's a la- in work, uh, we can now expand the relationship that we have uh, with those customers with the Netcode suite of products. Number one, uh, so that's a cross sell that we can do there. Second is, uh, it gives us a good uh, developed market revenue, and which is I think very important when we want to IPO in India in the next uh, 12 months or so, uh, maybe nine to 12 months is what the range we are looking at. Uh, So we don't just come across as an India-centric company because the TAM in India is limited, emerging markets also limited, but the US TAM is is US, Europe, Australia, are very large uh, markets. So that's very important uh, for a future growth perspective. And third is that because Unboxed had focused largely on the US markets, they didn't have much of a presence in India and in emerging markets. So now what we are doing is we are taking that product and taking it to our customers uh, in India and uh, Southeast Asia. And we are getting a great response because the problems are identical. The problems are the same. And Unboxed has solved them in the US. They can solve it here. So we had three primary reasons uh, for the acquisition. And I think it's been a great decision. Uh, uh, um, uh, Kalpit and the team, of course, uh, made the call and I fully supported them. I said, uh, and it's a big decision for us, you know, when you're spending... 100 million of your own money um, you have to be careful there's no opportunity to make a mistake
0: how long did the the process take from when and and how did you reach out or who reached out to Unboxed?
1: so uh it took about five months uh, the total process uh so our strategy head nishant uh, who had joined us about a year ago uh when he joined uh, he was also looking at M&A. a was an important uh, area that we want to look at. So he had reached out to uh, people he knew in the VC community and in the investor world and uh, uh, Unboxed uh, had uh, uh, had uh, had raised uh, 25 million capital um, and, uh, and they were looking uh, for, uh, uh, the investors uh, wanted to exit and uh, that's how the sort of uh, uh, process started. Um and we, we uh, there was no banker from our side. There was a banker from the unboxed side. We handled it entirely internally under Nishant and his team. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, things take a little time because uh, every deal goes through its little ups and downs, um, the due diligence process, and everyone wants to be pretty sure. Uh, they had a lot of investors. So for us, it's much easier. Uh, it's a couple of people in a room can make the call, but uh, when you have five, six investors, you've got to make sure that everyone's happy with every Comma in the agreement <laughs> so that took a little time
0: was, was 100 million the price that they were looking for i mean i think it's a good pro- you, you know 10x revenue um had, had they asked for like 20x or like you, you know did you did you get them down a little bit
1: yeah i mean it was i think uh, uh, they had a uh, they had a it was a competitive process so um, um uh, that's how it was and uh, i think given the future opportunity that unbox playing in i think i think it's a it's a reasonable uh, valuation um uh, the the 100 million also includes a little bit of the investments that we are going to do going forward uh into the company um so it's a total investment we call it an investment uh, um and uh, i i think uh, uh in in the uh, uh, given the fact that it's operating in the us uh, to a large extent and with very good brand names you know like the children's place and, and so on as customers uh, advanced auto parts and so on across industries uh, i think uh, it's it's a it's a it's a good deal for us uh, uh, it 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 expands the scope of what we are doing uh, it gives us a very good landing product in the us besides email that we have had and now i think it's it's up to us and our ingenuity to to make the most of the investment
0: definitely well congrats on the uh, on the deal and uh, obviously you know uh, becoming well you you would have become a hundred million business without them but uh, they just kind yeah, of uh, the MA helps one, you get yeah. get yeah exactly get, get there a little Absolutely. bit quicker um and um a couple of, couple of final sort of questions so um if you could go back to when you founded netcore cloud from what you know now what advice would you give yourself
1: i think two pieces of advice one is um, uh, I should have realized my own limitations um, and probably professionalized the management, got a CEO much earlier. I think we would not have lost five, seven years of growth uh, between probably 2000 and 2007, um, uh, number one. And the second, I think so. the it's, 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 it's sort of the takeaway there, uh, Alex, is that I think our founders need to realize what they are good at and what they are not good at. Just because I'd had a previous success, uh, I thought I was sort of God's gift to the, company and I could do everything and I was wrong. I think the second uh, uh, thing which I would have probably done differently is I think we should have expanded into the U.S. uh, much earlier than we did. I think we had the products. uh, We were probably just not confident uh, of ourselves. Um, uh, So I think in hindsight, that's probably a mistake. Uh, We could have built a much bigger business in the U.S. U.S. is, you know, in email, it's 100 times larger than India, for example. I mean, we have seventy-five percent of the market share in India, but that means nothing uh, when it comes to the global uh, share. So we had the products. I think. Uh, uh, I think the good thing is that we built a base. We built a good foundation in India, which is paying off very well as India is growing now. Uh, but I would have probably gone to the US maybe three or four years before we actually did.
0: As you said, this this is your second time round um, as a founder, and it's a long journey with NetCore Cloud. 25 years so far and you want to build this enduring company or you are building it, how do you look after yourself, uh, you know, uh, uh, as a founder, you know, on your journey, you know, what are you doing to kind of take care of yourself?
1: So so first part is that uh, money is not really an issue because uh, I had a very good exit uh, in 99 uh, when I sold my first business for a hundred million dollars. Um, my needs are very simple. Uh, so. I think if you keep your expect your your expenses low, uh, then I don't think you have to ever worry in life. Uh, my wife and I have been working together for the last thirty years. Uh, most of the last thirty years, you know, building out India, World, and NetCore. So a lot of our uh, discussions uh, tend to veer around NetCore. Uh, she runs HR um, uh, in the in, in NetCore. Uh, and uh, what I, I the position I am in right now, I think. Uh, I'm not a very good manager of people, uh, so it it works out well because it gives me a lot of time to think. Um, I love conversations with customers. Uh, I write a blog at rajashtain.com, my name. uh, And I I write about new ideas in marketing. Uh, I present them to customers. So the early, sort of the, what are the next uh, trends which are there in marketing? What are the innovations that we should look at? Because everyone else sort of gets caught up in the day-to-day, you know, you've got to meet the, weekly, monthly, quarterly targets and so on. But I have the luxury of chunky time to read and think and imagine the future and uh, that's what I love doing. And uh, I, I read a lot of books and uh, what are the ideas that we can implement uh, in Netcore. Um, I, I used to read a lot of the books earlier also but we are just too tiny, too small as a company to really you know follow some of the things in there. Um, and I think now for us the next big change is gonna come uh, hopefully as a, as a public company so preparing for that now are uh, the conversations with bankers and uh, uh, investors, I think is gonna start a fresh different set of investors compared to say PEs or VCs that we've had conversations in the past. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, the, the the good the good thing is that uh, marketing I think is, is is a great area. As Drucker said, a company just does, needs to do two things, marketing and innovation. We are in one half of that. And the other part, the innovation is something which we have to bring to the table. And uh, it's a great place to be.
0: Well, congrats on uh, your success with Netcore. Obviously, the, the previous success as well, everything uh, that you're doing. Um, amazing to, to be this profit corn, to build this sustainable uh, revenue business, to build this enduring business. Um, uh, so great to have you on, on the SaaS Revolution show, to share this with the, uh, the SaaS.com community. We do, really do appreciate it. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, Rajesh Jain.
1: Thank you very much, Alex. It was a great conversation. Where can people find you online, Rajesh? So uh, com, my blog, that's the best way to reach out to me. Uh, There's an email ID. I don't have too much of a presence on social media uh, because I like my chunky time. I like to think and I write to write longer pieces. I write every day. Uh, I don't like the short tweets, etc. stuff. So I think uh, just uh, get to me on com.
0: Great stuff. Well, once again, thanks for being on the SaaS Revolution Show and we look forward to uh, seeing more uh, about Netcore Cloud and uh, getting to that billion in, in revenue uh, in, and first the IPO, first the IPO.
1: And a great target you've given me, Alex. I'll work towards that.
0: There we go. I wouldn't give you a stretch goal. Good stuff. Thanks so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.